The scripture reading today is Exodus chapter 5. If you didn't bring your Bible with you, the Black Pew Bible in front of you, it's on page 56. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord, that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to, get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens the same day pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people and their foremen you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as in the past let them go and gather straw for themselves but the number of bricks that they that they made in the past you shall impose on them you shall by no means reduce it for they are idle therefore they cry let us go and offer a sacrifice to our god let heavier work be laid on the men that they may labor at it and pay no regard to lying words so the taskmasters and the foremen of the people went out and said to the people, Thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go and get your straw yourselves, wherever you can find it, but your work will not be reduced in the least. So the people were scattered throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble for straw. The taskmasters were urgent, saying, Complete your work, your daily task each day, as when there was straw. And the foremen of the people of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not done all your task of making bricks today and yesterday, as in the past? Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to Pharaoh, Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks. And behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. But he said, You are idle. You are idle. That is why you say, Let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work. No straw will be given to you, but you must still deliver the same number of bricks. The foremen of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, You shall by no means reduce your number of bricks, your daily tasks each day. They met Moses and Aaron, who were waiting for them as they came out of Pharaoh, and they said to them, The Lord look on you and judge, because you have made us stink in the sight of Pharaoh and his servants, and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Then Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you, why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. Chase read the text, a teaching text for us. We're walking through the book of Exodus, and we're in chapter 5. We are going to take the Lord's Supper. We're going to quickly walk through the text, Exodus 5. We'll make some application points uh, at the end, and then we'll have a time of confession where we sit before the Lord. And if you're a, a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been baptized, we're going to encourage you to take the Lord's Supper with us. We have here at our church, we call it Open Communion. Now, that doesn't mean that it's open for everybody, but it is open for everybody that is a follower of Jesus. And so we encourage you, if you're a believer and you want to take the Lord's Supper, we encourage you to take the Lord's Supper with us. And we'll have a time at the end. If you don't have the, the elements, Morgan's going to help us uh, pass those out uh, before we do that. We'll, we'll have a time of teaching. We'll teach through the Lord's Supper, and uh, we'll take the Lord's Supper together. It's first Sunday at Beaver, and it's a great day to be here together. Uh, studying and, and the scriptures and, and singing the scriptures together. Our goal 
as we come together every Sunday is to fellowship, to, to use our gifts so the church can be edified. We also want to sing truth. We want to teach truth. We want Bible, Bible, Bible. We get all the Bible we can because the truth is what sets us free. And that's how we're sanctified is through the scriptures. I want my children during the week, I want to hear them walking through the house, singing the songs that we sing on Sunday morning, and they do. I appreciate our worship team and all their work they put in for that. Exodus chapter 5, it starts with the afterwards. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, and that, that word afterwards is really important. It sets the context. It lets us know that it, it, something happened before that's really important. If you remember from last week, Moses has been called by God through a miraculous burning bush experience. And he's been told to go to Egypt to tell Pharaoh to let God's people go and to lead them out of Egypt. And Moses wrestled with the Lord, didn't he? You remember, he offered up excuse after excuse as to why he should not go to Egypt and lead the people out. God condescended and offered a solution to Moses' self-doubt. He offers a solution to Moses' lack of faith, and that is he told Moses that Aaron, who was a more eloquent speaker than Moses could go with him and be his spokesperson. And so he gave him signs. You remember? He gave him a staff. He said, when you go to Egypt and you see the Israelites, tell them that the Lord has sent you. And this is what you do. If they don't believe you, you throw down your staff and it'll become a snake. Then you take that, that, that snake by the tail, it'll become a staff again. You remember? Take your hand and put it in your cloak and pull your hand out and it's going to be leprous. And when you put it back in your hand and pull it back out, it'll be healthy. And if that doesn't, if that doesn't make believers out of the Israelites that I have indeed sent you, then you take water out of the Nile and you pour it on the ground and it's going to become blood. So God was gracious, wasn't he, to Moses. He gave them these signs to perform before the Israelite elders. He said, they will listen to you They'll embrace you as their leader, and that is exactly what happened. God was patient with Moses. He met him where he was in chapter 4, verse 29 through 31. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered together all the elders of the people of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words that the Lord had spoken to Moses and did the signs in the sight of the people. And the people believed. And when they heard that the Lord had visited the people of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, they bowed their heads and worshipped. All that God said would happen indeed happened. Moses obeying the Lord leads to what? Leads to the Israelites worshiping. They had church. They worshiped. They had this mountaintop experience where they experienced the Lord's grace. And those mountaintop experiences are wonderful. But the direction off the mountain is always what? It's always down, isn't it? It's common to experience adversity after having some really sweet times with the Lord. We encounter the Lord in special ways, whether it's through the, the, the worship or, or through a time of fasting, whether it's just a time of uh, coming together, uh, drawing 
you near the Lord. Maybe it's you and a few other believers. Maybe it's a, a, a time in, in worship at church corporately. Or maybe it's just a time with you alone with the Lord. But it, oftentimes we experience adversity right after that. And we might say that mountains are always located next to valleys. And so that's what we see happening in chapter 5. So the first thing, I'm just going to point out four things in our text. It's real easy. It's a narrative text. We're just looking at the story. And if you, you recall your hermeneutics, hermeneutical principles, when we're studying narrative text, what we do is we look at the text. We try to put it in our own words. We try to understand what exactly happened, knowing the context, and we draw conclusions from that. And the first thing we see from our text is Moses confronts Pharaoh, but the response is not what he expected. Moses was really, really apprehensive, you remember? And Lord really made him where he was, had to give him some encouragement, give him these signs and wonders. He goes, presents himself to the Israelite elders, tells them what he's going to do. This is what the Lord has said. This is what the Lord said he's going to do. He's heard your cry. He sent me to deliver you from Pharaoh. You will be set free. And so they worship. They have a great time with the Lord. So Moses is encouraged. He's seeing, wow, maybe the Lord is going to do everything he said he's going to do. And all of a sudden, he and Aaron, they confront Pharaoh and demanded that they be able to go into the wilderness for a three-day retreat, a time of sacrifice unto the Lord, three days of worship. Now, why was this request given when the desire, the desire for the Israelites wasn't to go on a three-day vacation? We're being oppressed. We're being mistreated. Okay, I want a three-day reprieve. If I just have a three-day vacation, I can come back and get after it and work for Pharaoh. That wasn't the idea. The ultimate goal was to be free, and that's God's promise. You'll be set free. So it's really interesting that they say, hey, we want to go three days into the desert and have a time of worship. Kind of interesting, isn't it? But it, I don't think it was, it was that absurd a request. I mean, we have accounts of Pharaoh giving slaves time off for worship, for offering sacrifices to false gods. So why would this be so odd? Philip Ryken, he writes, asking for three days of religious freedom was a reasonable demand that God used to expose the unbelief in Pharaoh's heart. So why would they say, let me just go for three days when really we just want to be set free for good? Just a time the Lord is, is, is really is exposing Pharaoh's hard heart. And what did Pharaoh say? How did he respond? He responded just like a man who had had his heart hardened. I mean, how's a, how's a man who's had his heart hardened by the Lord supposed to act? Just like Pharaoh. He says, let my people, let my people go, verse 1, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice and let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, and moreover, I will not let Israel go. He says, Let my people go. And that didn't sit well with Pharaoh. I mean, he was the mightiest ruler in the world at that time. He thought Israelites, they, they weren't God's people. They were his people, right? They were his slaves. But it's interesting, Moses and Aaron, they had the courage, didn't they, to go and, and confront Pharaoh. We have to give them that. They, I mean, they approached the most powerful man in the world and made a, a demand on behalf of the Lord. But Pharaoh, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? I mean, here's Pharaoh. He wasn't used to taking orders. He gave orders. 
And it wasn't that Pharaoh didn't know who the Hebrew God was. I mean, he had a pantheon of gods, and they worshipped many gods in Egypt. Yeah, of course, they, they understood the Hebrews, the shepherds. They had a god they worshipped. They called him Yahweh. Yeah, he knew who the God was. The issue is that Pharaoh didn't revere the God of the Hebrews. He didn't want to obey him. And in fact, if Pharaoh had obeyed the edict, he would be acknowledging that there's a, a deity greater than himself. And of course, he wasn't about to do that. I mean, Pharaoh himself was thought to be a God, and he thought himself a God. You can also imagine what Pharaoh would be thinking when confronted with Moses and Aaron. Our Hebrew God says, let his people go. So why would Pharaoh listen to a God who is so inept that his people have been enslaved for 400 years? All right? And not only did Pharaoh reject God's will for his own life, but he also refused to let anyone else follow the Lord. No, I'm not going to let you go worship. Get back to work. Who is the Lord? that I should let Israel go. He wasn't willing to let Israel go glorify the Lord any more than he was willing to glorify the Lord himself. But we have to remember what the purpose of the book is, this, this book of Exodus. What is the purpose? If you remember the purpose of the, the whole Pentateuch, the first five books of the, of the Bible, the books of Moses, what they're also called, what, what is the, the purpose? Do you remember? Moses is writing this after these events have taken place to remind the Israelites who God was and how they became God's chosen people. And more specifically, the book of Exodus, the purpose is to show the Israelites how God redeemed them so that they could dwell with God and God with them. You have to remember that purpose, I think, as we, we study. And if you, I was thinking about a theme verse. What would be the theme verse of the book of Exodus? It might be chapter 6, verse 7. I will take you to be my people. He's speaking to Israel. I will take you to be my people and I will be your God and you shall know that I am the Lord your God who has brought you out, of, out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I'll be your God and you will know that I am the Lord your God. Yes, yeah, so this is Israel. I'm doing these things so you'll know that I am God. But maybe, maybe the same verse will be chapter 7 verse 5 about the Egyptians. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. It's interesting. God wants to make himself known. That's his goal. Not only during the time of Moses, during the time of Hebrew captivity, but that's his purpose now, isn't it? To be known and to be glorified. It's interesting that God had told Moses that Pharaoh would respond just like he did. He says, who am I that I should listen to the Lord? Verse 4, but the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people away from their work? Get back to your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land are now many, and you make them rest from their burdens. Chapter 4, verse 21. Flip back there real quick, and let's look at that. God told Moses, 
you're going to go to Pharaoh, but this is what's going to happen. Look at chapter 4, verse 20. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Again, remember the context. Moses and Aaron, they go to Israel. I mean, they go to Egypt. The Israelite elders see them. They're, Moses is really afraid that the Israelites aren't going to accept them. They're not going to listen to him. God gives them miraculous power to do these signs that's going to convince the Israelites that Moses was their redeemer, their leader that God had indeed sent. So he goes to Egypt. It all happens just like God said it would. He goes to them, tells them who he is, tells them what the Lord has said, show them the signs, and they're like, awesome. Let's get on with it. We're ready to be free. They worship. But God said, I'm going to, no, no, I'm going go, to send you and you're going to go to Pharaoh, but I'm going to harden his heart. It's not going to be like this, bam, bam, get this thing done. Let's get out of Egypt and be done with it. No, God has a much bigger plan. He doesn't just want to redeem the people. He wants to redeem the people, but he also wants, what's his purpose? To let them know that he is God, but also let the Egyptians and Pharaoh know that he, Yahweh, is the one true living God. But as they, they approach Pharaoh with this edict from the Lord, Pharaoh basically says, Are you, have you lost your mind? I'm not letting the, my, my labor force leave. My free labor. No, of course not. You're just trying to get them out of work. No, they need to get back to work. So Moses had forgotten that in the heat of the moment. Oh yeah, you know, by the way, God did say he's going to harden Pharaoh's heart and Pharaoh's not initially not going to let the people go. The second thing we see from our text, verses 6 through 19, Pharaoh increased the workload for the Israelites. Not only did Pharaoh say, no, I'm not going to let you go on this retreat. I'm not going to let you leave for three days to worship, but I'm going to make it hard on you just because you ask. He's punishing them for asking. He saw that they had too much time on their hands. If they worked more, they would have less time to plot and plan and complain. I don't know about if you're a parent. I don't know about you, but I've kind of done that myself. Have you ever done that? Have you ever done that yourselves? We have children, you tell them you're going to be doing something, and the kids are all complaining. It's like, y'all just need something to do. You're, you've got an energy in, to complain and whine and fuss and fight and argue with one another. I'll just give you some work to do. Maybe you'll keep you busy. Anybody else? Anybody not done that? Anybody that's your parent have not done that? Yeah. yeah I think, so we kind of fall in the same, yeah, we're kind of like Pharaoh there, huh? So what did Pharaoh do? He, he said, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have the same quota of bricks to make, but now instead of us providing straw, you know what? We're going to give you more to do. We're going to let you gather the straw and the stubble to add to the bricks. You think, what's the deal with straw? Well, if you're a concrete man, I don't know who else is besides Uncle Ron, and he's a concrete man. Concrete was, I mean, the straw for the bricks is like rebar to concrete. It keeps it together, keep it from cracking, keep it from breaking. So the straw was really, really important. Instead of that being provided for them, now they're going to have to go find it themselves. But they've got to make the same quota of bricks. Congratulations, Hebrews. So the taskmasters in the form in verse 10, they, they go out and they tell the, the Hebrews what Pharaoh has said. 
Now, the taskmasters, they're, they're the Egyptians. Their job was to oversee the work. And you had the foremen, they're the, the Hebrews. They were given some type of authority to, to communicate Pharaoh and the taskmasters' wishes to the people. And in verse 14, when the quota for bricks wasn't met, the foremen, right, the Hebrews, they were beaten. And then what happens? Well, this is a third point. The Israelites complained to Pharaoh and then to Moses. Look at verse 15. Then the foremen of the people of Israel came and cried to who? They cried to Pharaoh. Why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, Make bricks, and behold, your servants are beaten, but the fault is in your own people. And Pharaoh, of course, responds, No, you're, you're just lazy. You're just being idle. You're wanting some vacation. You just need to get back to work. When you're working, we don't have these problems. Let's just work. Verse 19, the foreman of the people of Israel saw that they were in trouble when they said, you shall by no means reduce the number of bricks, your daily task each day. I mean, what were the, what were the foreman thinking? That Pharaoh's going to be merciful? Would he be merciful? No, of course not. Pharaoh's not the solution. Pharaoh's the problem. And it's interesting, they didn't go to Moses and Aaron who was there to mediate and intercede for them. They didn't take their struggles to the Lord. I mean, they've already cried out to the Lord, and the Lord heard them and sent them Moses, but no, they didn't do that as well. Their faith's not that quite, they're not developed yet. They don't trust God with the issue. They're not trusting Moses and Aaron. In fact, when they leave their meeting with Pharaoh, Moses and Aaron were waiting for them, and so what do they do? They attacked Moses and Aaron. During the conversation with Pharaoh, Pharaoh knew what he was doing. He's not just hard-hearted, but he turns the Hebrews against Moses and Aaron. And it, it worked, actually. So instead of being free, now their work is more laborious, more difficult. This plan Moses and Aaron had has seemed to backfire and and now they have to pay the price. And so what do they do in verse 21? They call down a curse on Moses and Aaron. They're asking God to judge them. Look what they've done to us. They've made matters worse. Instead of blaming Pharaoh, they blame Moses and Aaron for doing what the Lord wanted them to do. Now, we're just looking, we're walking through the text. It's a narrative text. It's telling us this true account of what happened with Moses and the Israelites. And this wouldn't be the last time Moses would be opposed by his own people who didn't understand what the Lord was doing. And that's the problem, isn't it? They can't see what the Lord is doing. No, the Lord's doing something bigger and better, but they can't see it. And what did Moses do that was out of step with God's will? In this incident, nothing. He obeyed the Lord. Sometimes we do exactly what we should do and things don't go well. 
being a pastor, I've had an opportunity to go to prison and do prison ministry and work with convicts and those who have broken the law, some minor offenses, some major offenses, some it's um, minimum security. The inmates come and go, and some are maximum security where they're locked down 23 out of 24 hours a day. But it's interesting, as you talk to prisoners, you'll find that most of them would say, not all of them, but most of them would say, yeah, I've, I should be here. I deserve to be here. And I often go back to the law. And I talk much about honoring your mother and father. Well, yeah, I, I didn't honor my parents. You have people who grew up in homes like yours and mine, great Christian homes. Like, yeah, I just dishonored. I rebelled against the Lord. I rebelled against my parents. And I'm here because of that. There's consequences to my actions. And we understand that. I oftentimes point out that the scriptures, you know, God's written word, his will for us is, is like a playpen. I use this all the time. And we're over there in the nursery this morning, Miss Mary and I, and we're keeping those little ones, and some of them are just laying there, and some of them are walking around. But what do we do? We have this half door. And we always tell the parents, hey, come on in. That's fine. Just close the door, will you? Right? Because we got kids running around. We want to keep them in here. And as long as they're in that room, they're safe. Or for those of you young mothers, you've got little ones, or maybe you're a grandmother, you keep your grandkids, you can't get much done with a one-year-old or a two-year-old. And so what do we do? We came up, came up with this fabulous invention of a little uh, small prison cell. And we put them in the little jail, and as long as they're in there, you can go get a shower. You can go to the bathroom. You can wash clothes. Oh, you can get a lot of things done, right? Yeah, you, you can wash dishes. You can do whatever as long as they're in the playpen. They're in the playpen. They're safe, and that's the, the word of God. As long as we do the Lord's will, oftentimes we are safe. And it is. Being in the Lord's will is, is the safest place you can be. But it's interesting that sometimes you do exactly what we should do and things don't go well. Most obeyed, he went and, and he went to, to Egypt and he talked to the Israelite elders. He said, this is what the Lord has said. I'm come to help you. And they embraced him and they all worshiped. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do, even though it took him, the Lord twisted his arm, right? to get him to do it, but he obeyed the Lord and he was blessed. They all worshiped. Here, Moses obeys the Lord and things don't go well. Sometimes that happens. Oftentimes that happens. Huh? When you think about the, the woman who loves the Lord, she has a marriage proposal from a man she cares deeply about, but he is not a believer. So she obeys the Lord says no, then no one else pursues her and she's still single, but yet she longs to be married. There's a salesman who's very ethical. He loves the Lord. He's very honest. And because he's honest, he loses a sale and he doesn't get the promotion. The pastor teaches the word and the church doesn't flourish, but instead dwindles. Does that happen? It does. The student who works hard, does their own work, desires to be top in her class, 
But the dishonest student ends up winning the award. What does Moses have to show for his obedience to the Lord? In this case, the contempt of his people. Sometimes obeying the Lord is difficult and it's lonely and it's hard, isn't it? The Israelites complained to Pharaoh and then to Moses. Fourthly, we see Moses takes his complaints to the Lord. And it's interesting, the Hebrew foremen, they should have done what Moses did. They went to Pharaoh, who was not going to help them. But Moses takes his concerns to the Lord. Then Moses, verse 22, turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to, his, to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. And so Moses here goes to the Lord, but he's not without fault. He's lacking in faith, isn't he? Moses told him, I mean, God told Moses, I'm going to deliver the people, my people, from the hand of Pharaoh. But yet Moses is still lacking in faith. And what does he do? He not only does he lacking in faith, but he blames the Lord. And what Moses is doing here is that I told you this was going to happen. I knew this was going to happen. I haven't been a help. I've actually hurt the people. Why are you doing this? But isn't this exactly what God told Moses what happened? Yeah, I'm going to deliver them, but I'm going to first harden Pharaoh's heart. Look back at chapter 3. Verse 20 through 22. So I'll stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of his neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. God's going to harden Pharaoh's heart, but eventually what's going to happen? God's going to deliver his people. And not only that, but in the process, you're going to leave Egypt, but you're going to leave Egypt with all of their financial blessings that I brought upon the people. Moses knew the Israelites would be delivered, but what would they have to endure before then? That was what was hard for Moses to trust God with. But it's interesting here, Moses went to the Lord with it, didn't he? He didn't run to Pharaoh. He didn't do what the foreman did. But he went to the Lord, and the Lord reassures him. Isn't that great? Sometimes we do the same, don't we? We know the Lord's given us promises. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, what's it say? Yeah, the Lord is faithful. What's he going to do with us? The work he began in us, he's going to complete. Isn't that something? We don't... Sometimes we forget that, or we struggle to trust the Lord that he's going to do that. We can't imagine that. We struggle. Some of us struggle, right? We have these strongholds in our life. We just can't overcome. We can't obey. We can't give them to the Lord. We can't seem to do what the Lord wants us to do in this situation. I think, man, I don't know the Lord's going to make me like him. I can't imagine not struggling with this. Or we think about our spouse or one of our children. I think, man, I don't know the Lord. They know the Lord, but man, is the Lord going to give them victory over this or going to help them with that? But the Lord has promised us he's going to finish what he started. But what in the process, what are we going to have to go through before that process ends? 
That's the mystery, isn't it? And that's what gives us trouble. Look at chapter 6, verse 1, as we close up. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, for with a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of his land. And we'll pick up there next week. So Moses goes to the Lord with his complaint. Things aren't going like that he thought they would. The Israelites embraced it, but now Pharaoh has rejected him. Oh, 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 that's true. That's right. Now I remember. God, you said that would happen. Here in chapter 6, verse 1, again, the Lord reassures him, I'm going to deliver the people. I'm going to drive them. Pharaoh's going to drive them out of the land. You're not going to escape, sneak out in the middle of the night. No. The gate's going to be open. He's going to shoo you on out of the city, and that's going to happen. But it just doesn't look like it at the time. So how do we apply this text? We just walked through the text, didn't we? How do we apply this to our lives? Real quickly, Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I shall obey his voice? Now, Pharaoh didn't have the right heart attitude, did he? But he did ask the right question. It reminds us of Jesus' question. He asked the disciples, Matthew 16, verse 13 through 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? The Son of Man being Jesus, of course. And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? And this is what the crowd say. Yeah, you're a prophet. Maybe John the Baptist returned return from the dead. All right, Jesus says, but what about you? And Simon Peter, he was the spokesperson, wasn't he? Love Simon Peter. He says, you are the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. You're the one we've been hoping for, the son of the living God. So for us, we could ask ourselves that same question. Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And so I ask you that question to you, to you, who is the Lord? Who is Jesus Is he your savior? For you, who is Jesus? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? Is he your redeemer? This is, we're in a narrative text. We're in the Old Testament. Moses is God's chosen prophet, God's chosen redeemer, to lead those Israelites out of Egypt. But he points us, doesn't he, to the ultimate Redeemer, the Lord Jesus Christ, who came to this earth, took on flesh, and because of the perfect life he lived, obeying the law perfectly, and because of the death he died, because of the resurrection that took place three days after his death, he can be your redeemer. He can be your savior. He can be your Lord. And what it takes is for you to acknowledge your sin. I'm a sinner. I've been wrong and I've done wrong. I've rebelled against you, God, my entire life, doing what I want to do, living my life, how I want to live it. But I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I've rebelled against you. 
I acknowledge that I deserve your worst, but yet in Christ you give me your best. I no longer want to live for myself. I want to live for you. I confess that I'm a sinner. I'm repenting this day, turning from my, living my own life, and I want to follow and trust you. I believe that Jesus died on a cross for me. He rose from the dead for me so that I could be set free from sin and death and be reconciled to you, Father. And I want to be reconciled. Will you save me? Will you save me today? Who is the Lord that I should obey His voice? Is He Savior? I hope He's your Savior. By way of application, if He's not your Savior today, you need to repent. I'm going to encourage you to do so. That's the way we're going to obey the Lord. Jesus' message, repent and believe, that's his, that's his New Testament teaching summed up in three words. Will you repent and believe today? I would love to talk to you about that if you have questions about that after our service. That's application number one. Second application. Sometimes application is doing, but some, sometimes application can be knowing. Right? Second application is don't assume that encountering difficulties means you're not in God's will. I get to talk to people regularly, and you do too, as you counsel and use the scriptures to help people in their, their lives. Something bad going on in life, things aren't going well. Oftentimes you say, well, is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Is there anything that you're doing that you shouldn't do? Is there anything you need to repent of? But you know, sometimes... We encounter difficulties in life just because we're a believer and just because we live in a sin-filled world. We live in a broken world around broken people among whom we are broken as well. Sometimes we obey the Lord and things just don't go well. Sometimes things don't go well because we obey the Lord as we see in our text today. So remember that. third thing I think care our struggles to the Lord even our lack of faith that's what Moses did the Psalms we read through the Psalms Jenny she loves the Psalms she could she's memorized a bunch of them but she loves the Psalms because the Psalms people are just real and they don't understand and they lack faith and they doubt and they just take that to the Lord now we have to be careful with that but I see here with Moses, he went to the Lord. I don't get it, Lord. Why is this happening? It's not going like I think it should. And what does the Lord do? He just assures them, gives them grace, meets them where he is. We need to carry our struggles to the Lord. Fourthly, we can't see all that the Lord's doing. God told Moses, I'm going to deliver the people. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart, but the Israelites, they're going to embrace you as their leader. But I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. Eventually, I'm going to lead my people out of Egypt. And they're not going to have to sneak out. They're going to just shoo them out. Please go. Please go. And they're going to plunder Egypt. But for Moses and the people, it's really hard in the middle of it when you're going through difficulties to see all that God is doing. And that's our problem, isn't it? 
We're redeemed. Many of us know the Lord. We trust the Lord. We understand his promises. He's going to finish what he started. One day I'm going to be in glory and everything's going to be made right. But we obey the Lord and we seem to try to do what's right and give him glory and things just don't go well. It's hard. We just can't see what he's doing. But the Lord is sovereign, isn't he? He's in control and he's accomplishing his purposes. And we can't see what he's doing. His ways are higher than our ways, right? We can't understand why he's doing what he's doing or why he's allowing these things to happen. But we do know the, the promise and the end goal, and that's what we have to keep in mind. And that's what Moses needed need to be reminded of. That's what the Lord did in, in chapter 6, verse 1. I got this. You know, we, we say this all the time. I got it, right? I got this. I got this. No, the Lord's got it. And what he said is going to happen is going to happen. If you're in Christ, it's win-win. That don't mean it's easy. That don't mean you're not going to go through difficulties and life's going to be hard because life is hard. Following Jesus is difficult and it's laborious at times and it's painful at times, but it is wonderful also, isn't it? It's hard to see what the Lord is doing, but he's going to accomplish his purposes in our lives. Hello, I'm Shane Hartsfield, pastor of Beaver Baptist Church. Thank you for listening to our weekly podcast. If you have any questions about what it means to follow Christ or questions about our church, direct you to our website, beaverbaptist.com, for our contact information. Weekly, we study exegetically through books of the Bible. And now, join us as we dive into today's passage.